0: If you've ever been involved in a wild international caper involving Caribbean terrorists, a stolen helicopter, and a roll of duct tape, you might be MacGyver. But if you've ever eaten a freeze-dried meal with a titanium tent steak, you might be a backpacker. Then, on today's top five list, we'll help you with a simple numbers decision. On today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing a tent that is literally light. On today's backpack hack of the week, we're going to talk about something that is simply vulgar. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. We have a 16-year-old daughter who is recently in a production of Macbeth. And so we thought it would be kind of fun to have her friends over for, you know, like a dinner and play a little game. So I created this little game called Macgyver or Macbeth. So I took quotes from Macbeth and some quotes from the television show MacGyver, which is like an action-adventure show, and they were supposed to guess if it was from the play or from this show. Well, it's pretty obvious. (laughs) You know, you have old Shakespeare and then you have modern language, so it was pretty easy for them to guess, but it came out in conversation that they had never even heard of MacGyver. This guy falls in the same category as Davy Crockett and John Muir, he's one of those legends. He's not even a real person. He's just, it's just a TV show. But the premise of MacGyver is that he gets into these really sticky situations involving really bad characters. And by the end of the show, maybe about two minutes until the end, he's in this impossible situation, you know, where there's a bomb that's counting down. But his ingenuity comes to the rescue in really... Interesting ways, usually involving the items that he has either in his pocket or that are in the room with him. So he could stop a bomb with something like a gum wrapper, a q tip, and some duct tape, for example. He's that kind of guy. So while we're out backpacking, we have the opportunity to have these MacGyver moments. You know, we're not stopping bombs or busting out of jail cells in Siberia. But we have these opportunities presented to us where we have to make the best of a really tricky situation. So I'm curious, Josh, what are some of your MacGyver moments?
1: Well, sometimes they're really simple, just basic things. Like when we went on our Salmon River trip this past winter, and for some reason we were short a tent stake. I think maybe it was because we had to put up that tarp. As a a rainfly, and so we used some of our tent stakes to help put up the tarp, and then we didn't have tent stakes left to stake out the rainfly for the tent. And so the simple MacGyver solution to that was to find a stick, you know, and whittle the tip, and whittle a little notch on the other end, and pound it into the dirt with a rock, and we had a tent stake, and it worked. That one's really simple, but uh, there's other situations where you take something that was meant for a different purpose, and then you find a way to use it for your current dilemma. I thought a really good example of that was from one of our listeners a couple months ago. Uh, His name is Bill, and he has uh, used the milk jug kitchen sink hack that we shared on episode number one. And that's just simply where you cut off the top half of a milk jug, and that bottom piece is what remains. You can fold it down flat, you can open it up, and it can serve as a kitchen sink or anything, you know, to hold water and wash things in or whatever. Well, his situation was he was out backpacking and needed water, and he found a very small stream. It was just a trickle, and there wasn't enough water in that stream for him to use his filter, you know, the the pump filter, to get some water. Well, he had the milk jug kitchen sink in his backpack, so he repurposed it, and he stuck the milk jug kitchen sink into the that just that very small trickle of water that was coming uh, off of a rock, and he allowed it to fill up the sink, and then he could stick his filter into the sink and pump some water. So I thought that was a really good example of someone repurposing something. This is like a double repurposing, right? Because first it was a milk carton, (laughs) you know, and then it became a kitchen sink for backpacking. But then it became something to hold water, to collect water, so that he could use his pump to filter water.
0: I love that.
1: Now, I've had some other moments that I don't know if they qualify as MacGyver moments. Uh, For example, a few years ago, I went up for a couple days of scout camp with our scout troop. So the scouts are all doing merit badges and stuff. And as an adult, you get to just sit around and have fun. And my idea of having fun is trying to build things with whatever's around me. And so I built a bowling alley. One of the scouts helped me find a really nice round rock (laughs) down at the river. And then we found chunks of wood that could serve as bowling pins, and we found some logs to make, you know, the rails the or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and so we had this bowling alley. Now, the the only reason I think that might not qualify as a MacGyver moment is because it wasn't <laughs> getting us out of some sticky situation or anything, but it was fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think usually MacGyver is trying to like save a life or something, but yeah, I can see the bowling alley is kind of a borderline kind of thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's kind of this tricky thing when you're out backpacking because you want to bring enough stuff with you so that you have everything that you need. And yet, if you bring too much, then it's almost like you miss those MacGyver moments. You miss the opportunity to be creative and to uh, use what you have to make what you need to have happen, happen.
1: Right. Like if I had brought my own bowling ball and bowling pins. Okay, never mind. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would like to see you pull a bowling ball out of your backpack sometime.
1: I've done a watermelon, but... uh...
0: (laughs) You know, I wonder, you could bring a watermelon, cut three holes into it for your fingers and your thumb, use that until it's all beat up, then eat the watermelon.
1: I'm not sure that would go well. (laughs) Let's try it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I guess even though the bowling alley hack is not really... Maybe it's not a MacGyver moment because it wasn't getting me out of a sticky situation. However, I think it illustrates a mindset. And sometimes it's just the play that we do that develops that mindset, the ingenuity and the creativity. So that when the nasty situation comes up, we've developed the mindset and we can respond to the emergency situation because we have done things like building bowling alleys in the woods.
0: Well, what are the moments on the trail that force us to rely on our creativity?
1: I think the biggest one we've run into is forgetting gear or not having a piece of gear that we need uh, or, or a piece of gear breaks or we lose it. You know, the, the gear stuff. Uh, there's also food. You know, sometimes you've prepared a meal and when it comes time to eat it, it's just not cutting it. Uh, For whatever reason, maybe you left out an ingredient that was important, or maybe you just don't feel like eating whatever (laughs) flavor it is. And so then you, you know, you start doing food MacGyver, I guess, where you you swap out uh, something from another meal, you know, steal something from tomorrow's dinner to help today's dinner. And then tomorrow you've got a new problem because you stole (laughs) something from that dinner. So, you know, and and you just kind of work through that. Um, Fire starting is another biggie, I think. Well sometimes we just have big fails when it comes to fire starting.
0: Yeah, no matter how much fuel or explosives or <laughs> wax or whatever, you know, sometimes the wood is just wet out there, especially in the northwest, the fire probably just isn't going to happen. And we haven't figured out how to how to hack that yet, but yeah, those those moments do force us to be as creative as we possibly can. Right. Well, as you've probably noticed, we're on a bit of a creativity kick. I wish we could interview MacGyver. wish he were a real person. That'd be cool. We'd have him in and he'd do a little hack for us. That'd be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll wrap up the show with a really great quote that I'm so excited about. Like It's one of those quotes that was just meant to be in this show.
1: I love it. Well, we're going to switch gears and talk about tents today. And for our top five list, we'd like to share the top five benefits of buying a two person tent.
0: If you're in the market for a new tent and you really can't decide if you should get a really tiny one person tent so it's really lightweight, or if you should just go big and get a six person tent to fit all of your family, friends, gear, etc. We're going to help steer you to some middle ground. And we're going to share the top five benefits of buying a two-person tent. And this is something that we had to kind of work through when we were buying a tent for our children, because we had the two-person tent and the kids had, what was a four-person or six-person tent? It was
1: a four-person tent that we'd had for many years that we took car camping. And so when we started backpacking, we thought, okay, we need a new tent for us. Besides, we needed it uh, for our very first 40-miler. So we bought our REI Passage 2 for the two of us. That was great. And we wanted to take the family backpacking after that. So great, we had our tent. And then we had our older four-person kind of car camping tent and thought, okay, we'll have the kids take that tent. There's four of them, so the numbers match. And we figured we could kind of divide the tent up, you know, the tent, the fly, the poles between three people and then let our youngest kid just carry his own stuff but it was heavy. And I think inflexible, you know, to to stuff all four kids into the one tent. Plus, on the very first backpacking trip that we did with the kids after our first 40 miler, that tent broke. So we were in the market for a new tent and we had to decide, do we get another four person tent for all the kids or do we do something different? And we ended up deciding we'd get two two person tents for the kids. So we'd have a total of three two-person tents to cover our family of six.
0: Yeah, it's worked out great, I have to say, which is what inspired today's top five list. So the number one benefit of buying a two-person tent is that a two-person tent is the most common size. So this means you can literally pick one up on your way out of town, probably for under $60. And certainly, as you progress in backpacking, you can choose to pay more. You can upgrade your tent. But if you're completely new to backpacking, you can start with a cheap pup tent. You can take it out all summer long. You can destroy it. And then you can make a decision later on about what kind of tent features are important to you.
1: The second benefit of a two-person tent is that it's lightweight. But what do we mean by that? I mean, really, a one-person tent is lighter than a two-person tent. That is until you do the math. So if we take the REI Passage 2 tent, which we own, it's five pounds, six ounces. The REI Passage 1 is four pounds, three ounces. So the Passage 2 is, you know, 25% heavier than the Passage 1. Then divide by the number of people using the tent, because you're gonna split up the tent between whoever's staying in it. Well, now we're talking about the Passage 1 being four pounds, three ounces divided by one person. So that's four pounds, three ounces per person. Whereas the passage two, five pounds, six ounces, it's heavier, but divided by two people, it ends up being two pounds, 11 ounces per person. And
0: that's sub three pounds for a tent.
1: And then on the other hand, if you were to buy a four person tent, you'd have a really good weight per person, perhaps. But how do you divide that up among four people?
0: Yeah, because usually the fly and the actual tent are pretty heavy. You can't divide that up four ways.
1: Right. So when the two of us go backpacking together with a two-person tent, one of us takes the fly and the poles, the other person takes the tent and the tent stakes, and that divides it up pretty nicely.
0: The number three benefit of buying a two-person tent is that it gives you space to decide. So if you have a one-person tent, then that rules out backpacking with another person, you know, a spouse, a family member, or a hiking buddy that doesn't snore. It really opens up the options. It also means that if you're out with your buddies and someone has a massive gear failure or a health situation that needs to be monitored, you can offer half of your tent in exchange for some beef jerky, of course. (laughs) Rent's not free. That's right. No freeloaders.
1: (laughs) The fourth benefit of a two-person tent is that larger three-plus person tents are often too large for the space where you're backpacking. So when you're out backpacking, you're not talking about car campgrounds where they have these big flat spaces that they made with bulldozers. You're talking about being on the trail, and you come up to a campsite that's got a few small good spots for tents that people have kind of made over the years, with large tree roots running around them and... You know, just the ground is so much more uneven. And if you're out there with a larger tent, you're actually going to have a really hard time finding a big enough flat spot to pitch that tent.
0: It's almost guaranteed if you bring out a large tent, someone is going to be sleeping on tree roots. And the number five benefit of buying a two-person tent is that if you do like to backpack alone, a two-person tent means that you have gear space and room to spread out. And you can still get a crazy light two-person tent and not sacrifice too much weight. So an example of this is the Big Agnes Fly Creek Two Platinum, and it's one pound, 13 ounces. It's $550.
1: For a weight like that, yeah, you're going to pay.
0: Well, back in episode 75, we went on and on about the benefits of using a tent. And then today we're talking about the benefits of two-person tents. We're going to turn all of that on its head this August, and we'll do an episode where we go completely tentless.
1: The two of us have never spent the night in a hammock. And the guys from the Hang Your Own Hang podcast contacted us and said, hey, we want to do something together with you guys. We want to introduce you to hammock camping. And we promised them that we would spend two nights in hammocks and then report on our experience. And that's all going to come out in the first episode in August. So we're super excited about it and a little nervous. We don't know how it's gonna turn out. Ah. It, we might have a horrible night or it <laughs> might just be the, like, the best thing that ever happened.
0: I can tell you all the worst case scenarios are running through my mind right now.
1: But today we're gonna to stay on tents. We've been using our REI Passage Two tents for over a year now. I have really been pleased with them. They were really affordable at at $160 a piece. I think the only downside really has been their weight. And just recently, we got the opportunity to start using a tent by Big Agnes that's quite a bit lighter.
0: And has some interesting features built into it. And one of the benefits of using a tent from a well-known tent manufacturer is that they build in all of those features that aren't going to be in the $60 tent that you pick up from the big box store on your way out of town. For today's Summit Gear review, we will be reviewing the Big Agnes Copper Spur 2 Mountain Glow Tent. This is a two-person tent. Now, if you go to Big Agnes's website, they have different categories of tents. They have crazy light, which, wow.
1: That was the one we mentioned a minute ago, the, the Fly Creek 2 Platinum that's uh, under two pounds for a two-person right. tent.
0: And then there's the ultra light, then super light, then backpacking. And this tent that we're reviewing is in their ultralight backpacking category, which means it's a little bit heavier than their crazy light category. But it probably has a little bit more durability and some more features that you won't find in crazy light.
1: And a little bit lower price.
0: The Copper Spur 2 Mountain Glow has two doors and two vestibules which we're a huge fan of because it allows you to not only have dual access to your tent so you're not always stepping over your hiking buddy but it gives you that extra space on the outside of your tent to store your stuff. Vestibules are also great if you just want to expand the footprint of your living space and reduce that cramped feeling that you can sometimes get when you're inside your tent. The tent body is breathable nylon and polyester mesh, and it comes with eight super light aluminum J-stakes. And Josh, I have no idea why they're called J-stakes, and since your name is Josh and it starts with a J, do you know anything about J-stakes?
1: No, I can't figure out why they're called J-stakes. So just to clarify, these are not the stakes that look like a J. Yeah. Right, The like the the cheap standard tent stakes uh, that are just kind of a hook right. of... Um, Of aluminum tubing basically. These ones are flat metal that has been folded to a 90-degree angle lengthwise. So if you look, uh, you know, down the length of the stake you're seeing a 90-degree corner, I guess, uh, that that gives it its uh, structure and strength. And then they have a dimpled area near the top where you're gonna tie the guy line to the stake. So the stake does not look like a J.
0: This is a big mystery.
1: Yeah, if any listeners know why J stakes are called J stakes, please uh, go on Facebook or Twitter and let us know. We haven't been able to find the answer. Yeah,
0: and I did an extensive ten-minute search on Google, and there was <laughs> nothing. I even went to the wiki page, read the entire thing, which was fascinating. But
1: Wikipedia has a great page about tent stakes, <laughs> yeah. and it shows J stakes uh, pictures of them, <laughs> but it doesn't explain why they're called J stakes.
0: Yeah, maybe they were invented by a guy named Jay. Oh. Jay Stakes.
1: My name is Jay and I made Jay Stakes.
0: Jay William Stakes, Jr. <laughs> Esquire.
1: <laughs> Mr. Stakes,
0: huh? Hi, I'm Jay Stakes. The foot area of the Copper Spur Mountain Glow narrows a little bit, so it doesn't really affect how much interior space you have that much. All it means is that the tent probably isn't reversible. Like you can't put your head down there or your head would be squished together with someone else's head. That's awkward. Yeah. One of the things that I think our first 40 milers will love about this tent design is that the walls of the tent, instead of sloping in really quickly, like tent walls usually do, they're actually more vertical, which does give you that spacious feeling, even though you're stuck in this little tiny tent. Having walls that go straight up or almost straight up, in some ways, it almost psychologically makes up for the the fact that you're in a tent.
1: And here's one of my favorite features. If you've ever tripped on guy lines before, you know that they're pretty much invisible and you never know where they're gonna be. These guy lines are great. They're a mix of reflective and bright orange. So in the daytime, bright orange, you see them. In the nighttime, they just light up like nothing else when your headlamp just puts even a little bit of light on them. You know exactly where these guy lines are. I think that's just genius.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the cool things about using a tent that's not a big box store tent is that you start using it and you're like, this is what I've been missing out on all these years. This is fantastic. Right. You
1: go, oh, they thought about that and that and that. just those details.
0: Exactly. Well, if you if you step with me inside the tent, I'd like to give you a little tour. This tent has four interior mesh pockets and two internal media pockets. So you're gonna have a place to put your stuff basically. But the media pockets are what I really liked because if you stick your phone in the media pocket, the bottom corner of that media pocket is open so that you can slide your earbuds through the hole and your phone will stay protected. So you're not going to wake up the next morning with your phone in a puddle of water. Actually, this tent is really waterproof, so I shouldn't even say that. (laughs) But I like that you can stow your phone in this little media pocket and then run your earbuds out of the corner of it.
1: Yeah, those are the details we're talking about. Not only the detail of having a spot to put your phone, but that extra detail of having a spot to stick your earbud wires into that pocket to plug them into the phone.
0: So the tent that Josh and I have been using for the past year has two poles that cross over and it's pretty much a basic tent design. This tent has a completely different unique pole design and it's very intuitive. I was surprised it's not just two identical poles. So when the poles are completely assembled the main pole segment looks like the letter Y that's stacked on top of an upside-down Y. Is there a name for that in geometry? It's like a ray, except instead of the arrows pointing out, there's like a Y on the end. There's gotta be a geometric term for that.
1: Oh, there probably is. You're talking about an arrowhead, but with the...
0: It's going the other direction. Yeah,
1: yeah, instead of those lines coming back. Uh, where the line came from. They're going out beyond the the line. I I can picture it.
0: Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) So when the poles are all assembled, it can be a little bit gangly and unruly, but everything fits into place so quickly and so easily. And it's actually a really easy one-person setup. You don't need a second person to...
1: Yeah, to, to hold, hold on. one of the poles while right. you hold the other. and
0: Right, which is usually how you and I set up our tent. Yeah. It kind of takes two people. This one is really easy to put together with just one person. And it's incredibly intuitive because the orange side of the pole goes into the grommets that are on the orange tabs. And then the silver side of the pole goes into the grommets with the silver tabs. Now, once you get that main section into the tent, that main pole piece into the tent... You're gonna look at it and you're gonna be like, whoa, this tent looks like a sad, deflated balloon. There's something missing. So then you just pull out the second pole, which is the cross beam, I guess you'd call it, for the tent. And it's about three feet long and it goes across the tent perpendicular to that main pole segment. So once that second pole is in place, everything becomes taut, airy, and spacious inside the tent. That pole makes a huge difference.
1: The Copper Spur Two Mountain Glow also has the fast pitch option. Uh, if you've never heard of that, the fast pitch option is the ability to leave the main tent body home. Just take the rainfly, the poles, and a footprint that has, you know, grommets in the corners. And then you can just pitch with that footprint and the rainfly.
0: Oh, don't forget the stakes too, or else your tent could fly away.
1: Yeah, or you'll be whittling some <laughs> sticks.
0: The fly and the tent floor on the Big Agnes Copper Spur 2 are silicone treated nylon, which is ripstop nylon also, with 1200 millimeter waterproof polyurethane coating. Usually things are either nylon or you've got the polyurethane coating. This has both. This is fantastic, especially if you're going to be backpacking in soggy weather. This is really strong water resistance.
1: We have to treat our other tents periodically with something like Nikwax to keep a, kind of a durable water repellency on them.
0: And it wears off, you know, I mean, it's just a, it's just a coating. That's all.
1: Right. Just a spray on coating. And, and so this is fabulous that you get. I mean, you can basically, uh, how can I explain it? You could submerse the waterproof parts of this tent and no water would get through. I mean, it's not just rain. Like, it's tons of rain that this will still repel.
0: Now might be a good time to explain Mountain Glow. This is the Big Agnes Copper Spur 2, but they've added the Mountain Glow feature onto it. So it's a different tent because Mountain Glow is a feature that's built into the tent.
1: Big Agnes made a big splash last year when they came out with the Mountain Glow series.
0: Yeah, Mountain Glow means that they've built lights into the tent. So if you go into the tent, it's like Christmas all year long. You have these little lights that are all surrounding you. It's really cool.
1: It's like your house. You flip the switch and you've got lights.
0: Yeah, and it's great because you don't get that blinding headlamp light. It's more of an ambient room light that you're used to. And because it's all LED, it's really power efficient. If you just want the regular Copper Spur too, without Mountain Glow, they have that also. As far as mass goes, this tent weighs three pounds, six ounces. And that is the total weight. I weighed it with the battery pack with three AAA batteries in it. So three pounds, six ounces is the whole enchilada. As far as maintenance goes on this tent, you'll need three AAA batteries. And actually that's not even completely necessary because the lights can be powered by any USB source.
1: So if you've brought along a battery pack that serves as a charger for your cell phone, and as long as it's got a USB port on it, then you can plug straight into that battery pack.
0: However, this tent does not come with a gear loft that's up above, you know, like kind of in the center above the top of the tent. You have to buy that separately. So if you do use some kind of other USB charger, you're going to have to purchase the gear loft separately. So it might make sense just to pack along three AAA batteries because that's going to be Cheaper in the end. Maybe you could MacGyver something, you know, with safety pins and a yeah. I don't know, but yeah, it's pro- it probably makes more sense just to pack the batteries. And if you want your batteries to last, make sure you unplug the battery pack from the tent before you pack it away for the season. For investment, this tent costs four hundred and eighty dollars. If you choose to go with the Copper Spur Two without the Mountain Glow feature, it costs four hundred and thirty dollars. So what are you paying for? Well, the Copper Spur II is a huge reduction in weight compared to our REI Passage Two tents, which weigh five pounds, six ounces. This tent is a full two pounds lighter.
1: And you're paying for those extra thoughtful features, the cell phone pouch, the reflective guy lines, all those little details.
0: The water resistance is incredible. As I was pitching this tent for the first time, I had this little mini moment of panic because I realized that we had the battery pack, but I couldn't find the lights anywhere. I thought it was something you had to clip onto the tent. So I dumped out every single stuff sack that came with the tent and was just like, oh no, I've lost the most important feature of this tent. Then it dawned on me that the LEDs, they were probably sewn into the tent. And so... I got into the tent and I pushed the on button to turn the lights on and nothing happened. So this is like two Heather failures in a row. I was about to just pull the batteries out and toss them thinking that maybe the on button got bumped on or something. But then I turned the battery pack on its side and I noticed that it had a small on off switch and that's what protects the battery pack from getting accidentally bumped on. So I was glad that it wasn't just a push button on, that it actually had a switch that made it so you could turn it all the way off. And then when you were ready to, you know, use the button, you could flip the switch on and then use the button. Our daughter was the first one to put up this tent. She's 16 years old, and I came into camp a little bit after she did, and she had already assembled the entire tent. And she's a pretty smart girl, so I thought, well, everything is easy for her. I'm gonna try putting up this tent by myself and see how it works for me. So when I put up the tent for the first time, I purposefully decided not to read any instructions or cheat by looking at any pictures. I just wanted to test how intuitive this tent was to set up. And from start to finish, it took me six minutes and 35 seconds from the time I started taking things out of stuff sacks until I had the tent itself pitched. So even though it has a really non-traditional design, it came together really quickly.
1: So now that you've set it up once without instructions, how long do you think it takes you now to, to, to set it up again?
0: I could probably get it up in a good 45 seconds. It's that intuitive. In fact, on their website, they say, Our tents are easy to set up, but we suggest you practice once at home before using them for the first time to avoid late-night bickering with tent mates while fumbling around in the dark. Good advice. (laughs) Great advice, no matter what tent it is. But this tent was especially easy to set up. I just, I love that about this tent.
1: When we talked with our daughter about her experience using the tent, I asked her whether it was bright enough for her to sit and read a book. And she said, yeah, for me, it was bright enough I could sit there and read the book that I brought.
0: You know, when Big Agnes first came out with the Mountain Glow feature on their tents, I laughed because I thought it was just such a floofy feature to add to a tent. Kind of redundant, in fact, because we all carry flashlights or headlamps. But here's the thing about headlamps and flashlights. They're super annoying when you want to sit and read a book or when you just kind of want to sort through your gear. They're so powerful and direct. The mountain glow feature on the Big Agnes Tents is a softer glow There are two different settings, so you can have it full power or you can have it at fifty percent, and it's just a nice way to light your tent, especially if you'll be spending time in your tent decompressing after a long day on the trail. For today's backpack hack of the week, a no-cook, dirt-cheap dinner: bulgur, bulgur wheat. Bulgur is wheat that's been cracked, pre-cooked, dried, and so all you have to do is add water to it. Bulgur wheat is probably one of those things that you can find in the bulk section of a grocery store. It's similar in texture to couscous. It's about the same size, except couscous is made with processed wheat and bulgur is actually the whole wheat kernel that's been uh, crushed or cut. And with bulgur wheat, you can treat it like you would couscous or rice or any other grain and your options are limitless. I mean just think of the things that you can do with those grains and you can do the same thing with bulgur. So just the basic recipe for bulgur wheat if you just want to make plain old bulgur on the trail with nothing else no one ever does that but (laughs) you want to use a one-to-one ratio of bulgur to water and then you want to let it soak for 90 minutes and you can do this in a plastic bag you can put it in a little peanut butter jar you just want to make sure that it soaks for a good 90 minutes and then after it's soaked you can start adding those mix-ins like chicken bouillon cubes or dehydrated onions chives you can even throw in some cheese some salami herbs garlic hickory smoked almonds or apricots can really kind of just let your imagination go wild with this because once the bulgur has completely soaked you have this grain you can do anything with
1: so it takes 90 minutes but the cool thing is that you don't need a stove and so it might be a situation where you arrive at camp and yeah you don't have that two minute meal but you're not tending it either just mix the bulgur with the water and then go about putting up your tent and relaxing starting a fire whatever you want 90 minutes later. Your bulgur is ready, you add in some mix-ins, and you've got dinner. But you can also mix the bulgur with the water a few hours earlier while you're on the trail in something like a peanut butter jar. And while you're hiking for the next hour and a half, it's quote-unquote cooking. (laughs) When you get to camp, it's ready.
0: This is really great if you're on a budget, or if you want a backpack without a stove, or if you're just a health nut and you want something a little bit more filling and healthier than some of the other stuff that we talk about on this show. <laughs> it's a great option.
1: Well, pulling together the topic of MacGyver and food, we will leave you with a little trail wisdom today from John Fahey, who wrote Along the Arizona Trail in 1998.
0: He said, I always carry with me soy sauce, bacon bits, parmesan cheese, curry, olive oil, garlic powder, bouillon, and oregano. With those items, I figure I can make a tasty meal out of dirt and grass if necessary. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles.
1: Are you going to mention the summit gear review?
0: Blew. Did I forget that? Yep, I forgot that. So our 15-year-old daughter, no, say our 16-year-old daughter. Our 15-year-old daughter, so hold on, <laughs> how old is she? <laughs>